Uh, let's go to our scripture this morning. Uh, you are probably, if you're visiting here, this is not to you. If you've been coming for the last three weeks, you're probably thinking that I'm being very irresponsible or I'm being kind of a, a you know, because they've been studying the same text for three weeks now. I haven't moved out of that one. So I'm going to be reading the same thing I've been reading every Sunday uh, because it is the Word of the Lord, and I think it's important for us. And just to give you a, a, a heads up, we, we are moving in this text from the bottom up. So today we're in the middle and, and actually in the top of the text as we come to the conclusion next week. Um, the verse is from the second letter of Corinthians. Peter is writing to the Corinthians because there are conflicts over there. Corinth is not a city in Jerusalem. Corinth is a city in the United States. Uh, uh, pardon me. But similar to that, yeah. It's a city away from Jerusalem where everybody from everybody around the world hangs out. Sounds like Marietta. Kind of. Uh, more like New York, perhaps, or Miami, uh, or downtown further Atlanta, where many people from many places go to live there. They work there. They, they, they work in government. They work in business. They work in, in their own things, in their own small businesses and careers and skills. Uh, very similar to today. And because they live together, they, they would hear about a new faith called Christianity, or in some places it was still called the people of the way. There was a new way of living, a new way of approaching life, a new way of dealing with life altogether. So people in Corinth were hearing about it. Paul had actually gone there some 30 years earlier and established a couple churches, and now he's writing to the Corinthians to keep it together. Come on. What's happening out there should not be influencing you in here. You people are people of a kingdom. You people are people of a reconciliation, and that's what we've been talking about. And the theme that we've been dealing with is the theme of the ministry of reconciliation. But listen to what Paul is telling the people at Corinth. Listen to and for the word of the Lord. So we have stopped evaluating, judging, looking at, assessing others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are in Christ, so we are then Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. The Word of the Lord. We are in the middle of this series, and in the first week, we found out that God initiates reconciliation, that it is because of God's grace, it is because of God's unconditional love, it is because of God's determination to reconcile the world to God's self. Now, when we say reconcile the world to God's self, what are we talking about? What did we do in the first week? 
When we brought it home, when we owned it, this is the word I use here, when we brought it home and when we owned it, we found out that God was reconciling you and I. We are part of that world. That is why God was doing it. God was not doing it for the cosmological excitement of printing up a, a, a celestial thing. God was talking about you and I. God was reconciling the world for you and for me. And we place our names in those, in those verses, and we found out that it is about us that God is reconciling the entire thing. In the second week, we found out that God, that now that God has fixed, settled, and is no longer angry with humanity, that means God is no longer angry with you and I, now that God has done that, He has called us to be ambassadors. He has called us to be messengers. So last week, we discovered not only do we have a message, not only do we have, are, are we then messengers and we have a message, but we are also have recipients. Because in order for there to be, uh, uh, the message to be effective, there's got to be the messenger, and there's got to be the recipient. So we found out that we not only have a message, but we are the messengers, and our community is the recipient of that message. Today, I wish to talk to you a little bit about the life of reconciliation. This is a way of new living. That's why the early church was called people of the way, because they had learned a new way of walking, a new way of doing business, a new way of relating to one another, a new way of looking at God, a new way to really deal with their own lives. And that required some change in their behalves. You see, most Christians do not walk in this new way. And I say that because today we probably have domesticated the gospel to believe and think that the gospel is only something we do on Sunday mornings. Drop it. Is that what it's all about? Is it about just having this middle life or trying to get to middle class in America and being able to be a consumer, being able to have all the goods, is that what God wants for us? You see, there is a consumer materialistic Christianity that tells you that you go out there and you claim it and you get it, and then God becomes your little slave because whatever you want, God is supposed to give it to you because it's what you want. I don't see that in Scripture. I see God being sovereign. I see us having to follow God and us having to obey God and us having to change our ways for God's ways. So the life of reconciliation is lived in togetherness, is six, six healing, it results in unity, and it moves us into acts and actions of reconciliation. You see, Jesus lived this life of reconciliation. When Jesus walked amongst us, He knew He was one with the Father, so He had peace with God the Father. He was okay with that. He had heard from the heavens. I mean, can you imagine that? The heavens opened up and the word from the sky said, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus knew that He was accepted by God. He knew He was one with God, so He knew that He had the message of reconciliation. 
Not only did he have the message, but he became the messenger, and you and I became the recipients. Jesus walked this life of reconciliation. Jesus brought about a lot of healing while he was here. Not only physical healing, but healing amongst people. Jesus did not live his life of, of reconciliation alone, hiding in the woods or, in the, or, or as a hermit. He lived his life with people in togetherness. Jesus brought about healing. He not only brought about healing, he understood. He showed how he loved, how God loves us. He showed how, even though we were scattered and lost like sheep and confused, he modeled us unity. He modeled us love. And that love moved him into actions of justice. So to be honest with you, even though the gospel is something that is given to us freely by God's grace. The way you choose to live the gospel, to a great degree, depends on you. You either can choose peace or you can choose war in the gospel. Mm -hmm. You can choose unity or you can choose division, a so-called gospel. But you see, the life of reconciliation begins with the fact that we are to live this life in togetherness. God did not create us to be islands. God did not create us uh, uh, to be isolated individuals with just me, God, and myself. God, Jesus did not die for your individualism. Jesus did not die for your aloneness in the woods where you want to live. Jesus died for a community. Jesus died for a body of Christ. Jesus died for the church of Christ. And that church is people together, connecting with one another. So the first thing in the, in the life of, of reconciliation is that this life is done in togetherness. It's not done in isolation. You see, this life of togetherness, we begin to treat people differently when we come together. But the problem is that when we get together, oh boy, we begin to smell each other's strange smells. We, get, we begin to see each other's brokenness and cracks, right? And we begin to see each other losing temper. And we begin to see each other's sin. And we begin to see each other's weaknesses and frailties and, and tendencies and weirdnesses. I can spare that one. So we choose to function in that because when we discover other people's, they, and they're not like us, and we don't like what they, what do we do? We want to shun them. We want to keep them away from us. And unfortunately... Churches become that way. When they don't like the people, they begin to look at them. You know how they look at people when they don't like them? Let me tell you. I'm going to show you. I see it here. <laughs> you know what you do when they look at you that way? Hey. Keep on walking. You see, people can choose to be bitter in the gospel and nasty and isolated, or people can choose to be joyful. People can choose to be bridges of 
bringing people together. You see, togetherness is not a choice. It's what we are because we are the body of Christ. We are the church of Christ. And when Jesus brings us together, Jesus brings us together, and necessarily we need to experience healing amongst us. You see, because it just happens. We begin to see our brokenness, so we either divide ourselves even more or we get over that one and we begin to love like Jesus loved us. And we begin to have patience like Jesus has patience with us. And we begin to, to forgive like Jesus forgave us. And we begin to have grace like God had grace with us. And we begin to be patient and forbearing and forbearing. Can you say that with me? And forbearing of one another. Because the most important thing is our love for one another. And not the fact that I am or you are right about anything. So the life of reconciliation begins with the fact that we live together. But because of that fact, then we need to move in healings, in ways of living in a community that heals, that soothes our edges, that brings us more closer together than divides us. And thirdly, the life of reconciliation, because we begin to feel closer to one another, because we begin to forgive, because we begin to have patience, because we begin to forbear, what happens is we get closer to one another. This week I was with the OR group, O-O-R, off our rockers. That's the 50 and above group. I was in the picture, and somebody who I love told me that I shouldn't be in that picture. Jackie McGowan <laughs> in Facebook, she said, you shouldn't be in that picture, you're a pop. I said, dear, I'm 58. Nah. You should still be in that picture. But I went there, and I saw how, how we, we kind of went through the museum. I wonder, uh, where did we go? We went to the Booth Museum of Western Art over in Cartersville, and we had a great time. It took us a while to get there. Then we were spread out. Then we gathered for lunch. And, you know, it took us longer to say goodbye to one another than to get in and get, in <laughs> and get our tickets. I noticed that. I, I, I noticed how when we were going our different ways, oh, it's over. Oh, too bad. Give me a kiss. Give me a hug. You see, the, these people didn't know each other that well, you know, but they went to, they spent time together. They began to see each other in the way God sees us. We begin to see each other with God's glasses. We begin to see each other with the grace of God. And that happens, it brings unity. And as a result of unity, we begin to hear each other's stories. We begin to hear each other's pain. We begin to understand why do I feel the way I feel. We begin to understand why there is prejudice, why there is bigotry. We begin to understand how others experience it. We begin to feel, and, and we know it's not right, because we know it's not right to push people away. But that's the way society wants to teach. That's the way society wants to move. But the church doesn't move in that direction. Well, the church is dividing, the church is bringing together. Well, the world is breaking down, the church is building up community. That's our task, to learn to live with one another, to learn to understand why I feel the way I feel about America. It may not be the same way you feel if you're over 70, because you experienced something that I didn't experience in America. The way a young black person feels about America is not the same way a young white person feels about America. It's not the same way. They have different experiences. Some are telling that young black man that they don't belong to this country. Oh, we're see, hearing it from the White House that some of the ones who have lived always, all their lives here, we want to kick them out. 
not the church. The church chooses to welcome. The church chooses to build community. You see, the laws of the nation don't even reach to an inch of the laws of God. The laws of God are superior to the laws of the nation. We function under the laws of God. So we move, when we find ourselves in unity, when we understand, we move that into justice. You know what justice means? You know what justice means? It means to do right according to God's principles. Not right according to white America or black America or Hispanic America or Asian America. It's to do right according to God's principles. That is justice. According to God. Not according to the Constitution necessarily because it's not a divine document. So when we move in togetherness, when God brings us together, and we begin to seek healing and understand one another and listen to each other's life stories. That results in unity. And when we get together, then we move out in the healing that we have experienced here. We want that healing to be experienced in our communities. We want that healing to be experienced in our families. We want that healing to be experienced in our, in our malls. So the life of reconciliation is lived in togetherness. It seeks healing, it results in unity, and it moves into reconciling actions of justice. O oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good and what is what requires and what is what God requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, compassion, and to walk humbly before your God. We begin to treat one another with respect. We begin to see in each other God's DNA, and, we bring, and, and that brings admiration and love towards that person. We begin to see one another not like we used to judge them, for we no longer, like the text says, evaluate people like we used to. For we no longer begin to see people like we used to. We begin to stop prejudice. We resist racism of any kind. We condemn any kind that, that separates people due to racial or categories or finances. And we promote the justice of God, the unity of the gospel as we listen and we bring healing to one another. We move in love. We move in peace. We move in reconciliation because we are people and a nation of reconciliation. Listen to the text again. And see how it fits now. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view also. How differently we now see Him. This means, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone and the new one has begun. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you because your word is exactly what we don't want to hear. We thank you because your word sometimes makes us feel guilty, and that is precisely what the enemy would like for us to feel guilty. Instead, your spirit brings us the sense that is not right. And then we can move 
in the right way, not to get stuck on guilt. That's not of you, God. We thank you that you bring us together as a family. We thank you that you're inspiring. You bring the holy balm of your spirit to soothe and clean and heal each other as we walk together. We thank you that as we walk together, we, we become closer in unity. And we thank you that that unity results in us wanting to make a difference in this world. We thank you, God. We pray this morning for the, 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 our country and, and the things that are happening. We pray that we don't get caught up in hatred and division, instead in unity and harmony and peace. We pray for our community, for our teachers, our first responders, doctors and hospital workers, oh Lord. The businesses around us, we ask you for you to prosper them. We, we bless and we, we pray for the families that are visiting here, and we're happy they're here. But we also pray for those in our community who are in pain, who are in sorrow, who perhaps are not experiencing the joy and, and, and the life that we're talking about because of whatever reasons, O oh Lord. We ask you for your hand of healing for your spirit to lift them up and for your face to shine upon them and bless them. We thank you for he who came and walked this earth and said things that we don't want to hear because it's moving us to make us uncomfortable because of our ways. He's got such different ways. But he taught us to pray together this prayer as we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.